Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We've been studying this whole concept of life together. You know, some of you are like, man, I don't know. Why do we need to go to church? And why do we need to be around people? And so we started journeying through Luke and Acts as a community to say, hey, why do we do all this stuff, right? Why, why do we sing these songs? And what is it we're trying to do? Because those of you that are new, man, you, you, you're like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> uh -huh. but, but here's the thing, we, we actually believe anything is possible. In the name of Jesus, that anything is possible. And here's what's interesting. If you go back in Luke chapter five and you begin to study, like if you go back, we've only been studying as a church, Luke and Acts this whole year. Recently, I got to thinking about all of the things that we've been preaching about. And, and as we think about life together, which is those of you that walk in, you see it plastered on the wall. It's like life together, Acts chapter two, we're gonna do life together. But the question is, how do we do this? Why do we do it? How do we do it? How do we live in a community where we actually do this life together? I'm gonna go back, back to Luke chapter five, because there's a story that I think illustrates this song and the power of presence and what happens when some people who believe get in the room and say to each other, anything's possible. It can happen, it can happen, it can happen. In Luke chapter five, and if, if, if you're new to a Bible, it's really simple. The New Testament, like this is like an easy little trick. Just split the Bible in half and split it in half again and you're gonna be in the New Testament. You're probably gonna be really close to the Gospels. We're, we're, we're in a Gospel, um, Luke chapter five, and there's this story. I wanna read it from the Gospel. And this is what it says. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and, Pharise the, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And I thought to myself, man, I want some friends like that. Anybody else? Don't you ever see like something, a friend do something, go to the mat for someone and it does something deep inside you? You ever seen something like that? Like watched a TV program or better yet, like watch somebody in your family just show up for somebody. My, my, my middle son, Graham, we call him Gray. He's now... In college, he goes to the University of Kansas. And, um, but when he was uh, in sixth grade, he, he played this silly game called lacrosse um, because I don't know whose idea it was to give a bunch of young boys sticks that they could hit each other with, but that's what lacrosse is. I wasn't familiar with the game, but there was one kid that Harry made best buddies with. His name was Hudson. And, and Huddy, we called him, was a little guy. Now, you, you remember back to sixth grade. The, the, the variation in size is striking when kids are 12 because you can have 12-year-olds that look like they're in third grade or 12-year-olds that are like six foot three. Like, the variation is huge in the sixth grade and Huddy 
was on the small, small, small side. He was a little bitty guy. Graham loved Huddy. Became one of his best buddies. Him and Huddy were always together, always hanging out. It was one day on the lacrosse field when Huddy, um, playing with this big, long stick, was going to pick up a ball. And one of those man children, you know, those six foot three, came out of nowhere. And I mean, absolutely, it was blew that little guy up, squashed him. And, and, and the hit, it wasn't just the hit. It was that afterward, he started giving, you know, all of his little buddies high fives, you know, that he just destroyed this little kid. And, 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 and you know, the ref came over and blew a whistle. The big giant Goliath was like so, like he, he had done something so good. And out of nowhere, there was a streaking bolt. When I look over, I see Graham running down the field furious. He has his stick in his hand and I'm thinking, he's gonna hit that boy with his stick. Thank God he didn't. But what he did do is he ran right in front of him and with the stick in his hand, he picked the giant up in the air and put him on his back. And then he got over the top of him and he went, don't ever do that to my little buddy. Now, I'm not saying that violence is a good thing, but man, that was awesome <laughs> as a dad to see my little son stand up for his buddy and there's something in us that desires, take it to the mat, friends, right? Like people who will go with us all the way. And I think sometimes when we talk about these things, we think, well, that's, is that really a gospel issue, Eric? Yeah, it is a gospel issue, actually. Because you understand that Jesus chose to set up his community around these tables of people who would go to the mat for each other. People who don't look like each other, who don't come from the same place, who aren't united by blood, but united in the cross. So the question is, like, how do, you, how do you get friends like that? How do you live this out? And I think this story of the paralyzed man is an interesting thing because I think it'll teach you a couple quick lessons, number one. Number one. If you look back in history, someone who laid on a mat who had a physical deformity like this man would have, you'd know that um, most of the community would thought that that man was paralyzed because of something he or his family did. And what it caused was people stayed away from him, right? He was as abandoned as an abandoned person could be. A physical deformity meant that you wouldn't have friends. If you did have friends, um, it was rare. Most of the time, the company that was kept by those who suffered a calamity like this was things like Romans would bring those that had physical problems into their homes for entertainment. So this guy who's on the map had grown up his whole life knowing that people will hurt you, right? He'd been taught from the moment he had been born that people will hurt you. So if he's anything like me, you learn pretty quick. Hurt me once, shame on you. But hurt me twice, shame on me. I'm not gonna put myself in a spot to get hurt. You see, I think about 
this man and the fact that he had four friends that were willing to go to the mat. And I think at some point along the way, this man had to move past the reality that hurt people hurt people. This happens. And if I'm going to ever have friends that will lower me through a roof, I'm going to have to get over what somebody did to me once. That doesn't mean that the scar's not there and the hurt's not real because it is. In fact, abandonment, being abandoned by another person, the hurt that brings us, those are real. In fact, it's so real. The research science will tell you that the same part of the brain that feels pain, like if you got hit by a two by four, the same part of the brain is stimulated when you are abandoned. In other words, it hurts like being hit by a two by four. This man would know pain. And yet somewhere along the line, he's like, I want to have some friends that will help me get to my miracle. I can't do it by myself. And for me to step into this, I'm going to have to be willing, willing to get hurt again. I think some of us never experience the community that Jesus wants for us because somebody hurt us. Now, let me say something about this. Some of us came to a place that was a bunch of Christians and that place did the hurting. And that makes it real hard, doesn't it? Because now all of a sudden it's like, no, wait a minute, pastor, hold on, hold on, hold on. It wasn't the people in my neighborhood. It was the good people of the book that did the hurting. Well, well, let me say that um, oftentimes I think we're a little unfair. We, we, we look at places like the church and we'll say, well, look at all, I mean, look at y'all. You bunch of hypocrites. They do all the hurting. They, once they get it figured out, then I'll come back to church and give it a shot. But that'd be like going to a gym and judging whether or not everybody there was, uh, whether they were a bunch of hypocrites based on the fact they were in shape or not. Go to the gym. There's a bunch of people who don't look like they go to the gym there. That doesn't make them hypocrites, does it? It makes them, I'm in the gym, trying to look like somebody that's in the gym. Guess what? We're in the church trying to look like some people in the church. And sometimes we mess it up. But what we commit to in this house what we commit to in this house is when we mess it up, we try to clean it up. What we commit to in this house is we want to build tables with people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't think like us, who don't vote like us. We want to build a place that's united by one thing. It's the cross and Jesus. Amen. Man, I like that energy. Probably end on that one. Listen, listen. This is a gospel issue. When we say, how do we, how do we build a community? How do I engage? Listen, you're gonna have to be willing to be hurt again. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. And then let me say this. Let me tell you this. You wanna be a part of having stretcher friends and you gotta know what these to-the-mat friends did. One, number one. If you're gonna really be a, have to the mat friends, you gotta be a to the mat friend. You gotta know how to carry some burdens. I don't know how long they walked with that fellow, but I know they didn't have a truck, right? It means like they grabbed onto that mat and they said, listen, your burden's now my burden. In fact, 
I'm gonna take your burden and I'm gonna carry it and you won't feel the burden as we go. That's what to the mat friends do. To the mat friends worry about kids that aren't ours. They worry about what's going on in your world. They worry about what's happening in your check account, in your bank account. To the mat friends, pick up the phone and call. And listen, for those of you who say, yeah, I'd like some people to do that for me, start by being that person that does that for others. Just sharing burdens. We carry each other burdens. That's what these fellas did. And then I love what, how they end it. Not only do they share each other's burdens, they believe things for each other that maybe the person they're carrying doesn't believe for themselves. You know why we sing these songs, anything is possible? And it is contagious, man. You get Carrington and Lauren up here going, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I came in here not very happy, but my gosh, anything is possible, right? You know why? Why we do this, why we worship together is because sometimes we need to borrow faith from each other. We need some friends who say, I know you've been paralyzed your whole life, but listen, there's this dude. His name is Jesus. I'm gonna get you to him. How are you gonna get me to him? We don't have a vehicle. We're gonna carry you. And then they got there, and what happened? I could hear the guy going, well, look, see, there's, there's, we can't even get in. We'll just turn around, take me back. No, 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 we're gonna figure a way. And I don't know if they're genius or just idiots, but somebody has the idea to get up on the roof. And they're like, I'll tell you what we'll do. Jerry looks at Phil and goes, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna cut a hole in the roof. Now imagine, now imagine. You have the God of the universe in your house. Ladies, if Jesus was coming over to our house, everything would be on the nines. Chrissy would have out even the special little salt shakers. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we got the turkey ones for Thanksgiving and the pine cone ones for Christmas and probably the cross ones when Jesus comes, right? It would be done to the nines. And could you imagine what panic you would have if Jesus was in your house and he was doing his stuff and all of a sudden you see ceiling tiles start dropping to the floor and dust falling and the chandelier comes down and all of a sudden, a dude comes down through the ceiling and you see four dudes peeking over going. <laughs> they bring this guy in front of Jesus. Listen, this story is Acts chapter two. It's what Jesus intends to create, little pockets of people who absolutely go to the mat for one another. People who are vulnerable with each other open our hearts up. And listen, let me say this. Let me say this. This isn't just like hanging out, buddies. Some of you are gonna go home and be depressed for two and a half hours while you watch the Bears. You might have some buddies that you hang out with. Listen, listen, you might have some buddies you hang out with and that's all good. But listen, I'm talking about friends that help you advance your calling. That see something on your life and push you towards that. Some of you honestly, to be honest, there's some, there's some friends in your life that honestly, honestly, if you are honest, and you, need, you know they won't advance the calling in your life. The hardest thing is walking away from people that are good people, but they're not ever going to take you where you need to go. They aren't ever gonna cut a hole in the roof and get you in front of Jesus. They're not gonna call the hard things out of you and say, no, you're more than just a cripple. There's a healing. I'm gonna take you to a place you get healed. 
This is the community that Jesus set out to create. A place where we're vulnerable, where we carry each other's burdens and where we'll take the risks, man. Whatever it takes to get you for Jesus, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, even if it means prison. And if you rip a hole in somebody's roof, you're gonna get in trouble. But when you hear that, doesn't something like jump in your heart? You know, we've often said about Forest City Church, we really do wanna try to model that Acts 2 community. A place that is so unbelievably different that when you walk by the doors, you see it and go, what in the world are those crazy people doing? Because we're not talking about a social club. We're not talking about, oh, we get together and talk every now and again. We're talking about gospel communities. We reach down and we pull out the best in each other. We believe in miracles for each other. We see each other's calling. We push each other towards that. But here's the thing. These communities don't happen if somebody doesn't step into it and make it happen. Right? You gotta go first. You gotta step into it. You gotta look around here and go, man, I don't even know. Let me challenge us on this. We don't want a community that looks like everybody else. We can go do that at the country club. I mean, that was the beauty of the cross. You understand why the early church was so appealing. It was because nobody ever seen anything like that before in their life. What do you mean? Greeks and Jews hang out, or Romans and Jews hang out together. That doesn't even happen. How do Jews and Gentiles hang out with each other? We don't do that. What do you mean they're not family? Imagine a community. Well, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background is, whether you grew up in East Rockford or West Rockford or Elgin, it doesn't matter. You're young, you're old. We go out of our way to build a community that doesn't look like us because it is the greatest apologetic. In this day and age, there is nothing more crazy than sitting at a table with a bunch of people who don't look like you, vote like you, act like you. It is the greatest apologetic. And this next year, it will be the greatest apologetic. But that is the power of the gospel to unite us. And don't, don't, don't get this wrong. It is gospel. Ephesians, first half of Ephesians says, we are, we get, we get with, with the, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we get put right with him. But that death and resurrection puts us right with each other too. And if we leave that out, then we don't have the whole gospel. We only got one plank in the cross. We need each other. We're built for each other. Let me ask you to stand. For some of you, what I'm about to do, you're gonna get real mad at me, man. But I'm gonna ask you to do it anyway because we're gonna sing that song one more time. But, but... We're not gonna sing it for ourselves. We're gonna sing it for somebody else. So here's what I'm gonna ask everybody to do. Some of you don't like touching other people, you know? And um, I'm gonna ask you to hold hands or link arms. Hold hands or link arms. Nobody's alone unless you're just like, bro, if you touch me, I will kill you. you most of us know that look, just give that look. But if, if it's not an I kill you moment, I'm asking everybody to link arms. Life together. That's the dream. That's, that's what the church is. And we're gonna sing this song 
one last time, but we're not singing it over ourselves. This anything is possible, we're gonna sing it for the person on your left or sing it for the person on your right. We're gonna sing it together for each other.